630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's the show that Darth Vader called the most despicable pile of rubbish in the galaxy. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to be back with you after no shows for the last week because of the conference finals. We're preempted again tomorrow, so you can tune in for live hockey in 24 hours. Game six between the Lightning and the Islanders. The Lightning could not close it out last night. The Islanders will just not go away. And Jordan Eberle, the overtime hero, will discuss that with Kelly Rudy coming up in a few minutes. Baseball tonight on the tube here in the office. The Blue Jays trailing the Yankees 3-0 in the top of the fourth. Got to hand it to the Blue Jays, put together a pretty persistent season they are half a game behind the Yankees for second place in the American League East and of course with the uh, different playoff structure the top two in each division automatically make the postseason they're four games behind Tampa Bay for first in the division so we'll keep you updated on that one tonight if you would like to get in touch 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text and uh, sometimes we have other things we got to read here on the text line somebody has just sent in and uh, i'm sure our news crew will look into this or maybe we'll get further notification uh this person says crash on the yellowhead just before spruce grove the highway is shut down all traffic being rerouted to highway 16a so keep that in mind if you're uh, driving on the yellowhead west of the city kellen kennedy is back at the 630 ched broadcasting compound kellen old boy how are you doing doing great reed good to be back with you for wednesday night and as you said uh tomorrow night Islanders, Lightning. That's a fun series, Reid, to watch. I've I've enjoyed the Eastern Conference Finals so far. Well, the Islanders are one of those teams, I mean, they're very deep. They they play, I I called them a persistent team. I think I called the Blue Jays a persistent team. But I I put the Islanders in the same category. And one of those uh, cliches that gets thrown around a lot in hockey is is buy-in. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that from the Islanders. I think we see the effect of coaching with Barry Trotz and, and the effect of a of a deep lineup. They the I mean certainly Barzell is a good player. Everly can can put up points. I'm not saying they don't have offensive players. They don't have uh, Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or some players who are quite at that level, but they have depth in the lineup. And uh, last night's game, they kind of were able to play a low event game and get the big goal when they needed it from Jordan Everly. So, yeah, entertaining stuff there in that series. And Dallas gets to sit and wait. There was a trade today in the National Hockey League. Eric Stahl goes to Buffalo. He will turn 36 on October 29th, 47 points this past regular season. He has one year left on his contract at $3.25 million. Marcus Johansson goes to Minnesota. He is uh, younger by six years. He turns 30 on October 6th. He only had 30 points this past season. He also makes more money. One year left on his deal, $4.5 million. So Stahl goes to Buffalo. I believe that's the first trade made by new general manager Kevin Adams. And Johansson goes to the uh, Minnesota Wild. The U.S. Open starts tomorrow. I always enjoy that. It is uh, at Wingfoot in New York, and that is where Phil Mickelson blew it in 2006. And uh, I'll touch on that a little bit later on on the show. Certainly something I, I remember watching live. I, I love watching the golf majors. And that was uh, something where you're watching it and you're kind of thinking, what what is he doing? What exactly is he doing here? And he had lost a one-shot lead on the tournament, didn't even get into a playoff. Jeff Ogilvie wound up winning. I want to touch on that, go through the hole a little bit later on. But he is our weekly guest here on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender. 
And of course, he is presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, uh, Reed. I'm doing really well. I have a rare day off here in Toronto, and so I had a real lovely day. I slept in for a little bit, did some work, and then I went for a nice two-and-a-half-hour walk because it was beautiful today. I think it was 26 degrees in Toronto. Oh, good stuff. So so you got you got your travel, eh? Uh, how, how was it? Uh, was that your first time out of mm-hmm. Canada since the pandemic? Very, very weird. Um, strange, to say the least. Uh, uh, if anybody... Uh, has been near the or at the Calgary airport. You know the main concourse is enormous, and I don't know how many planes, but I bet you can probably hold close to 20 planes in that main concourse. And there was one plane there, and that was my plane. So that's how desolate it was. It seemed really, really weird. Not a lot of people on the plane. Uh, I would have to say, though, Reed, uh, even stranger maybe is checking into the hotel because there's nobody here. And this is I stayed a. a fairly large hotel here in downtown Toronto and many conventions normally. And of course there's nothing going on and uh, it's just really strange. I almost see, well, rarely see anybody ever on my floor. So, and I've been here almost a week, so it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Different times. Well, good for you. You're there doing great work in the studio, of course. Hey, before we dive into some of the playoff stuff, uh, a guy you would have played with uh, early in his career, Daryl Sador is coming up on the show a little bit later. <laughs> he wound up winning the cup with, uh, with Dallas and then also won it with Tampa Bay. That could be the matchup. Uh, we'll see. But uh, he was a relatively young guy on that run in uh, in 93. Well, and Daryl went to the finals two other times also. So uh, with us in L.A. and then with Pittsburgh, I think, in 2008. So uh, Daryl is, uh, is a real friend of mine, and uh, I love him dearly. He and his uh, wife, Shar, and, you know, I took a real liking to Daryl when he joined our team. I believe it was 91, 92, and then I believe he we sent him back to Kamloops. He wasn't quite ready. He was a young kid, and he won a Memorial Cup with Kamloops. And then he burst onto the scene the next year. I mean, uh, you look at that team that we had in 93, 92, 93, that we went to the finals, and three of our best defensemen were the youngest guys on the team. I mean, crazy. Rob Blake, Alex Shitnick, and Daryl. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought that with those three defensemen, the Kings are going to be set on the back end for a long, long time. And, you know, a couple of dumb moves by management and they got rid of uh, Daryl and Alex at some point. And, uh, you know, I just thought that uh, those three guys were special players and uh, just the fondest of memories. You know, I, I really, really like Daryl for some reason, you know, he's just such an easy guy to like, and he's, he was a really committed player and he had a heart of gold and he wanted to be a champion. And I remember things were going pretty tough for him. And it was before we traded him to, to Dallas and, and I said something, and I'm going to exclude the swear words I said, but something about don't let them drag you down or don't get don't let them get the best of you. Because I thought people were being extremely tough on Daryl. And, and that's one thing that when you're on the inside, you really get it. You really understand how tough it can be. And I know people are saying, well, how tough can it be? You're a pro athlete and so on. And, but let me tell you, Daryl was getting beat, beat up pretty good. And uh, I had just gone through it uh, a couple of years before, so I kind of experienced it, and I knew the pressures you're under, and and how uh, and how it's really bothersome, and it it eats you alive, and you feel very very lonely. And so I expressed my thoughts to him, and 
Yeah, we've chatted about that a few times. In fact, I did today with Daryl. I, I asked him, I, I remind me what I said to you, <laughs> but so we both had the same sort of memory of the uh, the uh, exchange. And like I said, you know, Daryl also, and I don't know if you're going to go down this road, but he's a very brave person. He's been sharing his personal story uh, lately. In fact, uh, a few months ago, I watched a, a thing with him and Corey Hirsch talking about their mental health issues and so on. And just the bravest of the souls. Well said about Daryl, and yeah, thanks for reminding me about that team. I had forgotten, I mean, Blake was 22, Sador was 20. I'd forgotten Alexei Zitnik was only 19. <laughs> and he, he, That's amazing. Yeah, people don't give him enough credit. Like, he was a, a, an absolute star. Like, I, I remember when we played against Vancouver in that uh, playoff year, like, Pavel Bure, of course, was a true superstar in the game. But Zitnik took it upon himself because they were both uh, Russian to really set the tone and, and he he was on the ice almost every single time that Burry was on the ice and he completely shut him down like he took great pride in uh, shutting down uh, the Russian rocket and so all these little backstories but uh, again uh, Zhitnik he, he could fly like he could skate and I, I love the fact that uh, Rob Blake and Daryl and all the the young guys really took good care of Alex. Like, you know, he's coming, as you said, 19 years old to an entirely different country. And of course the city of LA, which is crazy in itself. And, and they really, they took great care of him and Alex loved it. And it was just a really cool experience to watch as an older guy. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports. You know, talking about players that they go through criticism and, and ups and downs in their careers. Uh, Jordan Eberle with a big high last night. When he was an oiler, he would get criticized. I did it. You did it at times. Uh, it was always interesting on overtime open line with, with Rob. We had a, a section of, of listeners that uh, that would complain about Eberly, and, and we had a section of listeners who said, we we got to hang on to this guy and we're really unhappy when he was, he was traded. I, I want to ask you this question this way, and I, and I know he's been gone from Edmonton for a few years now, but Eberly now versus Eberly as an oiler, what, if anything, do you see? I still see the same skill, but uh, for the most part, I see an entirely different player. I see a guy that's uh, committed to working really, really hard every shift. He cares about the defensive game. Um, in the offensive uh, zone, I never would have expected him to cycle the puck as much because that's really, really hard work. It's physical work. Uh, you have to be really determined. You have to outwill the opposition. And so I'm, I've turned into the biggest fan. And maybe he would have turned into this player in Edmonton, but I don't think so. I think he needed a change, and uh, the change has been fabulous for him. Uh, I started raving about him, uh, was it last year in the playoffs or before that? But because I saw such an incredible transformation. Again, I, I, you know, I think all of us were blown away. I think it was his first game ever in the NHL, and he walked that Flames defenseman and beat Kiprasov, and we're all like, oh, my gosh, this guy is amazing, and he was offensively, but there's a whole lot more to the game than just being talented offensively. And so uh, I'm just – I just really enjoy watching him play. In fact, uh, he's going to be one of my topics again tomorrow in the pregame show simply because, uh, you know, he, he's such a game changer now and he does everything the proper way. Islanders staying alive. That was an exciting game last night. Yep. Dallas is is waiting. And, boy, sometimes I just wonder if things are falling Dallas's way. I mean, other teams, um, you know, have, have had some injuries along the way. 
they get by Vegas very quickly, and now the Islanders extend this series, so they'll get another couple of days rest. But anyway, Rick Bonus, a lot of talk about him throughout these playoffs. He's kind of a feel-good story. Weird year for Dallas. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. pandemic aside, the, their, their coach gets fired, and he was a, a you know pretty well thought of coach until uh, he was let go. That being Jim Montgomery, and now Jim Bonus is there, and it just seems not just the Dallas Stars, but a lot of people in the hockey world are, are rallying around Bonus. You know why? Because he's <laughs> such a great guy. <laughs> All of us that have been around this game forever uh, have known uh, uh, Rick for for a long, long time. In fact. I believe I first met him in 1981-82. I was playing in uh, Indianapolis, and he was playing, I think, in Tulsa. And his career was coming to an end. By the way, he was too good for our league. I don't know why I didn't uh, uh, end up playing after that in the National Hockey League, but I believe he had something like 34 or 37 goals that year in Tulsa. And uh, I don't know how this happened, but we must have been in a bar after a game together in some city, whether it was Indy or Tulsa or something. And I really admired his game because he had played in the National Hockey League. And even though opposing teams didn't really socialize very much, he made it a point to come up to me and start sort of dissecting my game and why he thought I was going to be a National Hockey Leaguer at one point. And it was a really cool chat. And I thought that he went way out of his way to make me feel comfortable and really give me lots of praise. And it really helped me a ton. And so whenever we bumped into each other, we've t- talked about those days. Um, and he's just one of the most likable guys uh, you'll ever come across. And I thought his heartfelt uh, uh, comments about being in the bubble early on were bang on. I've heard the same things from a lot of people, although Toronto and Edmonton have done an amazing job in pulling this off along with the National Hockey League and all the healthcare workers and so on. But this is a monumental feat, and uh, but it is difficult on the players. I've heard uh, many, many stories about players uh, finding it really difficult to be away from home, and uh, I understand that. Not, not as much the physical part, but the mental part. And so, uh, you know, Bones has done a great job with that. And uh, by the way, you mentioned Jim Montgomery. He's going to be back in the game at some point, no question. He's a phenomenal coach. He had some off-ice issues that he's been dealing with, and I'm happy to say that I did text him during the pandemic, and uh, he's ready to go again. Well, that's good to hear. And Dallas, it's funny, Kelly, as you know, in our business, we're always asked to make predictions, and I am am often wrong. (laughs) But I actually picked Dallas on Stauffer's show. I picked Dallas to win the Stanley Cup when we did our picks like late, late September, early October last year. But obviously I wouldn't have known they'd had a coaching change. And obviously part of the reason I picked them was Ben Bishop in net. But right. Hudobin's just been absolutely incredible for in the postseason here. Absolutely. And I think actually going into the season, yeah, late September, October, I think I might have been on board with Dallas also. But actually after we the pause and then we came back uh, for the relaunch, I believe I chose uh, Vegas. And even in the, the series, I thought, most nights, Vegas was a better team. They just didn't win. And Habby, or, uh, oh, Habby Boone, that's funny. Ron McLean and I joked that one of us is going to say Habby Boone on the air, not Hudobin. <laughs> and I just did it. So, um, But Hudobin's been the story of the series. And, and just from everything you understand about the guy, incredible teammate. Um, he He's willed it to happen. Uh, I like Ron's uh, comparison last night to Richard Brodeur because here's a guy that really slugged it out for a long time, Richard Brodeur, and 
had a couple of kicks at the can in uh, the National Hockey League, but really made a name for himself in the WHA. And, and now, uh, you know, we remember his career, how great it was. And now Hudobin, I believe he's 33 years old, something like that. And uh, just it, 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 the fun that he has playing in the net, it, it, it brings a smile to my face. Kelly, it sounds like you had a great day off today. Really appreciate you checking in. Look forward to seeing you back on the tube tomorrow for Game 6. And then uh, I guess Saturday will be either Game 7 or Game 1. It's going to be fun, buddy. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, well, enjoy your chat with my good friend Daryl. Yeah, for sure. Kelly, Daryl Sador coming up between 6.30 and 7. That'll be awesome to talk to him. Two-time Stanley Cup champion. Once with Dallas, once with Tampa Bay. That could be the final matchup. Now, we don't know for sure when the Stanley Cup final is going to start. Everything I've heard, I'm led to believe that there will be a game Saturday. It'll either be game seven, Tampa Bay and the Islanders, or game one of the Stanley Cup final. And again, we don't know the schedule. We don't know totally for sure, but there there could be a back-to-back in the Stanley Cup final. We could see games three and four played on back-to-back days. Uh, I would think with uh, the games in the United States being on NBC and NBC having Sunday night football, I highly doubt there would be a Stanley Cup game on a Sunday. So maybe next week it starts something like Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, or maybe it goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and that would be the first four games. I, I would expect games three and four to be back-to-back in the cup final. Now, 6 nothing for the Yankees leading the Jays. They're in the fourth inning. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Hockey again tomorrow, game six between the Lightning and the Islanders. And then, as I mentioned, we'll uh, we'll keep going after that, either game seven, the next broadcast, or we will be bringing you the Stanley Cup final here on 630 Chad. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 is how you can uh, get a hold of me, phoning or texting. Big L, I appreciate your text. You have made me uh, laugh as usual. Somebody said, uh, Brian sent me in a video of a, uh, a squirrel-proof bird feeder. I, w- I was talking about chasing a squirrel when I was on with Jay Lynn. Uh, Brian, I'd actually seen that video before. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Kellen. It's, it's a, a gentleman in his backyard basically makes an extremely elaborate obstacle course for squirrels to have to figure out oh, okay. in order to get to the bird feeder. And <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of neat how they figured out. Or because they can jump quite far sometimes they just jump over the obstacle and make it to the other side uh jared has texted in jared has called and texted the show many times over the last few years and i'm always happy that he is listening and it's always cool to get to know something about a listener as well jared has sent me a, a a website and he writes short horror stories and poems jared let me know if i'm allowed to tweet that out and jared also added honestly read out of all the years this year the oilers disappointed me most well, I've heard that before about this season. Uh, keep an eye on, uh, on this story. Uh, Edmonton police uh, confirming that they are investigating uh, some sort of vandalism to the dome at Foot Field. Apparently several side panels of the dome were slashed either late last week or uh, over the weekend. It is under investigation. Might get more information 
tomorrow. Uh, the U of A has not commented on this, but it sounds like vandalism, foot field, uh, the dome that they use to do stuff, you know, indoors when it's when it's cold out. Several, I guess, almost all along one side, somebody uh, somebody slashed it. So we'll keep an eye on uh, what Edmonton police might have to say about that. We'll take a quick timeout. Daryl Sador, two-time Stanley Cup champion, grew up in Edmonton. He's up next on Inside Sports. wins the draw to the right point. Kevin Shattenkirk fanned on a shot. Anders Lee knocks it to center. Two on one chance for the Islanders. Lee down the left wing in front for Amberley. He shoots and scores. Jordan Amberley, Mr. Clutch ends the game for the Islanders. There will be a game six on Thursday night as Jordan Everly scores his fifth of the playoffs with seven and a half minutes left in double overtime and the Islanders live to fight another day. Brendan Batchelor with the call last night on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And, of course, we're picking up those games here on 630. Chad, Jordan Eberle, the overtime hero. Uh, good for Jordan to score that goal. I see a lot of Oilers fans on social media and some friends I've been in touch with over the last 24 hours. Happy for Eberle to get that goal. And the the way he scored it, what was one of the criticisms Eberle faced here in Edmonton was that he didn't one-time the puck enough. And on that one coming across, he's a right-handed shot going down the right side and he just fires it away and he had to get it off quick because you saw Vasilevsky, who's an incredible goaltender. He wasn't that far away from the puck. And if Everly stops that even for a tenth of a second and shoots it, Vasilevsky probably makes the save because he was on his way across. So good for Everly, good for the Islanders. The uh, One of the big stories here going through the postseason. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We'll have game six tomorrow in this time slot. Uh, it's 6-0 Yankees leading the Blue Jays. That game is in the bottom of the fifth. More baseball talk between 7 and 7.30 tonight. Randy Gregg will be on the show, the former Edmonton Oilers defenseman who's now the managing director for Baseball Edmonton. That is the group owning and operating the Edmonton Riverhawks that will be the new tenant at REMAX Field. They won that bid over uh, Patrick Cassidy's uh, ownership and the Edmonton Prospects, who will now play in Spruce Grove starting in the summer. So we'll look into that a little deeper between 7 and 7.30. I am pleased to welcome back to the show a gentleman who uh, grew up playing hockey right here in Edmonton and went on to an incredible National Hockey League career. Over 1,400 regular season and playoff games combined. It is Daryl Sador on the line. Daryl, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Thanks for checking in. It's it's good to talk to you again. I know it's been a little while since we uh, we last spoke. Remind me and, and everybody else of, of of your minor hockey here uh, journey here in Edmonton. What uh, what association were you part of? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in uh, Kensington on the north side and uh, played my uh, community hockey there. And then uh, when I was about 11 years old, I moved to the uh, Canadian Athletic Club and went through the uh, program there till first year minor midget and then uh, moved to Camels when I was 16. Now when you were a little guy obviously the NHL was the biggest league in North America but there was the WHA there was the Edmonton Oilers did you have a favorite team or a player when you were like just a five six seven year old in the late 70s? Well I don't know about that young but uh, you know I did kind of develop uh, to be a fan of uh, Mark Manse obviously 
you know, being in Edmonton and being there when they've, uh, you know, obviously won uh, the championships, you know, it was, I didn't get to a lot of uh, NHL games, um, you know, busy with, I guess, my own hockey, but, uh, you know, really just kind of watching Mark Messi and what he uh, eluded as a hockey player, I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, I'm not going to be that, but uh, have the same type of work ethic and stuff. Well, like I said, you, you had an incredible National Hockey League career. You, you were drafted. Were you seventh overall in 1990? Wasn't were you or were you sixth overall? I think you uh, were, you, yeah. you think you were seventh. Yeah. yeah. So uh, some pretty good players went ahead of you, including including Yarmir Yager, who who my buddy Rob Brown got to play with for for a few years. Daryl, you know, a few things we want to talk to you about, and th- this is you're an interesting person to have on especially in in the in this playoff year because Dallas is going to the Stanley Cup final and Tampa Bay is a win away and oh by the way neither of those teams have won a Stanley Cup without you on the roster uh, do you do you find yourself uh, pulling for any of your former teams what's the emotional connection like there you know what I was uh I was in Edmonton uh, a few weeks ago visiting family and that was when Edmonton was still on the plan. And, uh, you know, they asked me if I had a favorite team. And, and really, it's just, uh, I'm just excited to watch good hockey. And uh, the hockey's been pretty good. And uh, it so happens that uh, the two teams that could possibly be in the final, uh, one is and uh, one's hoping to get there. You know, I, both, I played for both. And, you know, I just, I look back at both those championships and, uh, you know, obviously, I just kind of cheer for both and cheer for good hockey. You know, you, you don't want to see it be done in four. You'd like, I'd love it to go seven. I just love the intensity when uh, when those games get, uh, you know, pretty intense. The, the Dallas Stars team you were on in the 90s, uh, I mean, obviously they had the disappointment against the Oilers in 97, uh, a, a deep run in 98, and then you win it in 99, and then you make the final in 2000. Tell me a little bit about the progression of, of that club and going from being a very good team to ultimately a championship caliber team? Because, you know, clearly in 2000 uh, and even 98, you, you were good enough to win the Stanley Cup. It just didn't quite go your way. So, I mean, you, you had a pretty good three or four year run where if there'd be a short list of Stanley Cup ten- candidates, people would have put the Dallas Stars on the list. Well, I think, you know, that whole buildup, uh, you know, Bob Ganey built a team that uh, we were good and, uh, you know, I believe we won five divisions in a row, but we just always just couldn't make it to the uh, Stanley Cup final, and and we finally did it in '99. But it was such a, it, you know, when people ask me about winning both uh, on both teams and what the difference was, I was able to be part of a uh, really building of an organization that uh, got better and better every year, and uh, you know, and then it finally uh, a couple pieces put us over the top, and uh, so. You know, looking back at Dallas, uh, to be able to be there for since 95, 96, the trade from L.A., and then uh, be part of a, a piece of that build, um, you know, that's very special to be to be able to do that and go through all those grueling years. And, oh, my gosh, look back at the series against Edmonton. Uh, those things were hell. They, they, really, they really made you a player and, uh, you know, really brought the character out in everybody. And, you know, those... Those, those times finally came through for us in 99. 
And then, and then you go join the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. I think you were traded there uh, mid-season, and and they had an, had an awesome team. And and I think, uh, if memory serves you, didn't you have to go seven against Philly? And then obviously you had the epic series against the Flames as well. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know I'll never forget. You know I got thrown into a situation where, like I say, we were building in Tampa or in uh, Dallas, and in Tampa, you know I went into a situation where I believe they were out west and they started on a roll. And uh, I just got thrown into a great situation where, you know, I didn't want to rock the boat and just do what I do, and uh, hopefully it would help out. And, you know, I'll never forget that game seven uh, game seven against, uh, you know, Philly and John Tortorella says, you know, we're playing a game seven for a reason. And it ended up being, uh, you know, we obviously going through it for a, uh, a first Stanley Cup too. What are your memories of John Tortorella? I was talking about him a few weeks ago, and, and Daryl, my perspective is is only from a media person, and and he's very eloquent when he feels like it, but he sometimes isn't very eloquent if he if he doesn't feel like it, um, you know. And he's he's kind of had some ups and downs to his career, but Jack Adams nominee, and and uh, I think he certainly deserves credit for what Columbus did to Tampa Bay last year, and for everything the Blue Jackets did last year with the injuries. What what made him effective with that Tampa Bay bunch and what's made him uh, have such longevity as, as a head coach in the league, do you think? Yeah, you know, a lot of people ask me because a lot of people see what they see on TV and, uh, you know, that's, that's the hockey coach to the media. Uh, he is a great human being. Um, till this day, if, if I, you know, when I talk to him, he always asks how the wife and kids and remembers their names. Um, he's, a, he's a great human being and, you know, I think the 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 great thing about that coaching staff is that we had uh you know jaw we had torts and we had craig ramsey and they're totally two end uh, opposite ends of the ruler um so when one would get riled up the other one would calm down and you know it's uh you know that, that was a huge piece to that uh that campus coaching staff well i was i was going to ask you that because obviously you know you would have had hitch uh, you would have had Melrose when you when you went deep with the Kings. Um, you know you're on a couple Penguins teams that were pretty good. When a team is going deep in the playoffs, and I assume by that point you have your systems down, you have the work ethic, you have the accountability, and, and you know you got to battle every night. And there might be a fine time between winning and losing. When you get second round, conference final, Stanley Cup final, what did you as a player really want from your coaching staff? What did you need from your coach when you're sort of humming through the postseason like that? Yeah, you're exactly right. Everything is dialed in by the time, especially when you get to the Stanley Cup final. There's a tweak here and there, but it's really uh, managing the emotions of everybody um, because you can go up and you can go down so quickly. And, uh, and just managing uh, the team. And I think that's what, uh, you know, all those good coaches were able to do. And uh, there's not much tweaking from systems. Everybody knows what they're doing. You know what the other team's doing. It's a matter of who's going to do it better and who's going to do it longer uh, during a game. And uh, you wait for a, for a break. You wait for a uh, opportunity. It's a chess, chess match. And, um, you know, you see, you watch that game last night and uh, you wait for an opportunity. There was, there was, great chances of scoring goals but you wait for an opportunity obviously it was a uh, whiff puck by by Shankirk that you don't like to see but there's your opportunity and they were able to capitalize okay so when you played in the postseason and you're in a game seven or a game six or, or an elimination game did Daryl Sador the player go out on the ice thinking I have to make plays or did you go out on the ice thinking I have to not make mistakes 
Yeah, I went out <laughs> thinking I can't make mistakes. I don't want it to happen on my watch, you know. But um, but obviously, you know what? You get into a game um, of that caliber, you are um, you're so dialed in that you know your shifts are getting short. They're getting thirty seconds, and you're just trying to make clean plays and, and hopefully it leads to another. So. You know, my big motto was get it to the forwards as soon as possible and let them do the work. Well, it's interesting you say that because that is that's so much of the game nowadays. I'm not saying it, it wasn't, but that's so much of the game nowadays. Like we saw Ethan Bear have a pretty good year here in Edmonton because he gets back and he gets the puck and he passes it to somebody. And Quinn Hughes and the Heisken and Klinberg and Lindell and these guys on on, on Dallas. And I, and I know you still have to grind, but man, if you can skate and, and make a quick, accurate pass as a defenseman, it really seems the game is starting to tilt that way. Yeah, exactly right. I think you're looking at Demon that, uh, I mean, especially now, you know, when the rules changed, it wasn't was best for the Demon. So now, I mean, the quicker you can get back and the quicker you can get those the puck to the forwards, um, obviously the better you're going to be. But if you see a lot of these guys get pinned in their zone um you know you're going to be in your zone for a bit so that's a huge quality now as a d-man dare i ask what you think of the puck over glass penalty oh that was a tough one you know i still think uh you know i I call it the harold schnapps rule but you know um that was a tough one there's a battle and it's just uh you know I, i think if it's purposely done it should be called but uh situation where it's like that it's a you know I, I don't know i just don't think that was the right way for an important game like that to be it is a penalty i guess but i think there's different uh ways you can maybe look at the puck going over the glass yeah well i also think they should review that i mean i know that one that on white cloud was was obvious but sometimes they talk about it and i said i'm thinking why don't they just go to a videotape for five seconds and see if it hits something because it it could change a series and exactly right. I mean, video doesn't lie, right? And, uh, you know, if they took that time, it would probably be a lot quicker than uh, sit- sitting and huddling for a while. Daryl Sador joining us on Inside Sports. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, one with the Stars, one with the Lightning. The Stars will play for the Cup. The Lightning will try to get there with a victory tomorrow. Of course, Joe grew up right here uh, in Edmonton. Hey, I, Kelly Rudy was on the show in the first half hour, and I asked him about you, and he spoke very highly of uh, being your teammate and, and staying in touch with you over the years. And I want to get your version of a story he told. Uh, you were going through a bit of a tough time in LA and, and had uh, become a bit of a whipping boy for people. And he said he gave you some advice. Do you, do you remember this? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a tough time. And, uh, you know, it, uh, I heard my name in the, obviously the news about being traded. It was my first trade, you know, I'm a young guy. So it's like, what the heck is going on? Um, and it was the way it happened was uh, we had a game that night and um, went to the rink, got ready for, you know, the morning skate. And I, I hear all these rumors and I walked by and went on the ice and did about one, maybe two laps. And then they pulled me off. I mean, I was sitting there for an hour, hour already and they couldn't tell me, but they let me get all dressed. And I talked to Kelly and I came back and he, he just, he used some uh, different words, but he said, "Just don't let them, don't let them break you." And uh, you know, I'll never forget that. It's one thing I'll always remember. Kelly was a great teammate to me, and you know, I really looked up to him. 
um, in LA and, and still stay in touch to this day. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's cool to hear. And, and I mean, like I said, you play you played one thousand two hundred ninety one uh, regular season games and one hundred and fifty five more in the playoffs. You almost played two more seasons worth of regular season uh, amount of regular season games in the playoffs, which is which is pretty incredible. Hey, you, you know, like like everybody else, you're a human being. You have life after hockey. I hope you don't mind me asking. Kelly brought it up, and I, and I know you spoke with uh, Corey Hirsch um, in the spring as well. Um, you know, you've decided it's it's important to get out a bit of a message about mental health. Can you just sort of give us the uh, the nuts and bolts there of uh, of what you're trying to help people with? Yeah, you know, just trying to spread the word. I obviously, mental health is a hot topic of late, and uh, you know, you don't you you might not you might hear the word mental health and not think it's a big deal, um, really, until you're involved in it, and uh, and it's huge. And obviously, uh, you know, with my story and and. And alcoholism, um, you know, I try and spread the word because it does. It just doesn't start at uh, an older age. There's uh, there's a lot of different things that uh, people go through. Um, mine was uh, some, you know, went back all the way to my upbringing, and uh, you know, it's stuff that I've never really dealt with. But until I was able to, you know, kind of break the walls down and be vulnerable, and uh, and it's okay. A lot of people think that it's a it's a sign of weakness, but it's not. I think it's a sign of strength when you can talk to people, express your feelings, and and try and ask for help. And I think that's one of the messages that uh, gets kind of crossed is that um, you know people see it maybe sometimes as a weakness, or they think as a weakness, and uh, it's not. It's I think it's a strength. And you know now obviously with what Corey's doing, and I've done a show with Corey um, to try and spread the word and share my experiences strength and hope well well said and, and good for you for doing that and, and for being honest that's really cool uh, let people know what you're up to these days besides doing the uh, talk show yeah really uh you know not much i kind of help out with minor hockey here in Kamloops. um still have a couple sons that are playing my one son uh just went to uh merit centennials uh made that team so he's kind of moved away from home but helping my young guy out and you know, just trying to still be around the rinks and help people out whenever I can. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, Daryl, before I let you go. And look, you can pass if you want or just hang up on me. I understand. Uh, if it is Tampa Bay and Dallas, who wins? Um, I think Tampa. Just too much? I, I just think, uh, you know, obviously Dallas is doing some great things. Um, you know, they went through... You know, you look back at the years that I was able to win, the years that we went through some uh, some hard, not hard times, but learning times. Last year they went to the, you know, they lost. And, uh, you know, this year they're having a great year and uh, Godobin's playing great. Uh, they're playing a sound game, but I think Tampa, you know, with their goaltender and, uh, oh, well, you know, the one thing is I think Tampa does need to do is get some of their guys healthy, obviously important guys, but, you know, I, I expect it to be a really good series. Um, they're a quick team. And, uh, you know, I just think, uh, you know, Tampa might be the team this year. Daryl, tell you what, you are welcome on this show uh, anytime. There's dozens more questions I could have asked you. I really appreciate you sharing your experience and talking about uh, today's game as well. Uh, thanks for checking in, and, and, and people love the, the memories of well, whenever we talk about Edmonton minor hockey or the neighborhoods you grew up in, 
I always get texts from people like, oh, that arena, oh, that was my school. So thanks for that as well, yeah. Matt. Really appreciate it. Anytime, guys. That is Daryl Sador checking in tonight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an eye-popping total. 1,291 regular season games, 155 more in the playoffs, and uh, a couple of Stanley Cups, a couple other, uh, well, a few other extended playoff runs, and all the way back to 93. He was on the L.A. Kings, and 93 remains the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. Sador, Rudy, and the Kings were beaten in five by the Montreal Canadiens. Really good to catch up uh, with Daryl Sador. He was a really good player, and uh, good for him for opening up about, um, as he as he told you, alcoholism, mental health, and uh, being brave enough to talk about that and hopefully assist other people along the way. That is good stuff. It is 6.53. Blue Jays are down 7-1 in the sixth. We're back after the break. What is this one killing? Oh, Roadhammer sent this one in. The Tigers of Pantang with Never Give In. Roadhammer, our heavyweight champion in the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, the one and only champion we have crowned to this point. He is uh, yet to lose the belt. I suspect he might have it for a little while longer. Yeah, if you have a song you would like to hear coming back from break, preferably some good guitar rock. An intro, good solid 20 to 30 seconds off the top. No uh, no naughty language that's going to sneak onto the radio, please. We'll trust you there. 780-496-0063. Is it a random question? Is it National Tattoo Day? That's what I see. All so. right. Well, I don't, I, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> Neither do uh, I, so. I don't know if that's accurate now. I just looked it up. I, I, somebody, because somebody sent in a picture of a tattoo on the text line. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I'm, really, I'm just making this up as I go. This is one of those things I saw five seconds before we were coming back from commercial and thought, oh, I'll talk about that. And I, now I don't even know if that's accurate. Anyway, uh, I think National Tattoo Day is in July. And I had to I had to quickly double check in my head if it was July or not, because I've kind of lost track of the calendar over the last few weeks. But anyway, 780-496-0063 is how you can call or text. Uh, I mentioned the Blue Jays trailing the Yankees 7-1. That one is in the bottom of the sixth. We have live hockey in this time slot tomorrow. Game six between the Lightning and the Islanders. The trade today, if you missed it earlier, Eric Stahl goes to Buffalo. Marcus Johansson goes to Minnesota. Up, Stall is cheaper, and he had 17 more points this past season. Though he is older by six years, the U.S. Open starts tomorrow at Winged Foot, the site of one of the biggest disappointments of Phil Mickelson's career. We'll take a closer look at that a little bit later on. And former Edmonton Oiler Randy Gregg now involved in ownership of the Edmonton Riverhawks, the new baseball team that'll debut at Remax Field next summer he's coming up next on the show thanks for tuning in 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 6 30 chad